Hi, my name is Lena Marie, and I have a loved one who's been in prison for 23 years. He is currently at Dixon. His name is Wayne. He took your classes and raved about them, thought they were wonderful. And honestly, from hearing about it from the outside, I wish I could hear it. And now I can. Thank you so much. Welcome to Freedom From Within, a show where we discuss how to build a strong foundation for life that is important to you, your family, and your community, where we teach foundational life principles to those serving time in our prisons. Because of the successes of our program inside, we are now bringing the same program outside on this show, the show that we call Freedom From Within. Hello, my name is Cliff. And my name is Sue. And we're the directors of Freedom From Within. In previous episodes, we introduced the importance of building a strong character foundation to support our life's journey. In this episode, we will discuss abundant living and how to find it and to live in it. Last week, we had a guest, guest, a couple of guests. Yep, two guests, two cyclists. So why did we introduce abundant living with two cyclists? Well, I believe they were just living abundantly you know they they didn't have any cares or fears and that's what abundant living is you know to just be free and not to live in fear of you know what's going to happen next or where are we going to go but just you know to follow your dreams for joe and emily their dream is to be able to just go in the i don't know travel travel the countryside on bicycle, kind of take it all in, uh, one pedal step at a time. <laughs> yep, that's right. What I find is fascinating is today they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow they know the direction that they're going, but they won't really decide where they're going to stop until tonight. You know, so they'll make a decision. Okay, tomorrow we're going to travel this amount of miles, mm-hmm. and we're going to go to this town. Whether they know where they're going to stay or not is totally random sometimes they do and sometimes they don't sometimes they plan their destination and and traveling day the night before they just don't uh, have everything down exactly so abundant living is the topic being able to be free um, without all those concerns Mm -hmm. i think is amazing for me i mean you know isn't there some fear like when they're going through some of you know the cities and Mm-hmm. so forth isn't there some fear but for them it's like no you know one step at a time we try to make good decisions along the way yep. i think it's just amazing I encourage everybody listening you know what is holding you back from abundant living you know have you taken inventory what is it that um you can say hey if i didn't have this in my life if i didn't have these concerns in my life or if i was able to see them differently mm-hmm how would that impact the freedom of my life, living abundantly? Yeah, we have to really um, think about, you know, what is holding us back. Sometimes people think, oh, well, I can't do this, I can't do that because of this reason or this person or whatever. But, you know, everyone has to make their own choices and move forward in life. You know, you can't let things hold you back. Last couple of weeks, I think we've also shared uh, that there was other things pressing on our heart, mm-hmm. uh, concerns we've had with uh, loved ones. You know, we just attended uh, some back-to-back funerals, and one of them was uh, for a, a close friend, 
and his daughter, um, who ended up uh, taking her life. When I think of a, abundant living, obviously there's something in her life wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And it was such a emptiness where uh, making a decision to, to end the life is a huge, a huge burden. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, uh, when I was 15, my dad took his life. And so I get that, um, or I get it as much as a, a, uh, a son can get it. I mean, I was, uh, you know, just trying to process that, but there was things in my dad's life that were holding him back to the point where he didn't want to take it anymore. I don't think that's the way thing, way God designed us to no. be. As I've been thinking about the preciousness of life and what's holding us back to live abundantly. Uh, the first one is out of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. says that we are reminded that there is a time for everything, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. If we're always mourning, if we're always weeping, I don't know, it just doesn't sound like a, a great life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you relieve that? How do, how do you let that go? I think for me, I can't let the behaviors of others control my life. We've mentioned before we have two kids and... When you have other people living in your home, whether they're kids or even a spouse, you know, we have our ups and downs. And I know for for me seeing, you know, our kids having ups and downs, it could bother me. But if I let their downs pull me down with them, how are they going to get out of it? You know, so we have to be stronger for the other person and for ourselves too. So we all don't just get pulled down. You know, I like the part in this verse where it says a time to mourn and a time to dance. And I think sometimes even when you're mourning, you can dance and that will help you just get through that mourning, not push it away because I think you do need to mourn certain things, but just to not pull you down so deep that you can't get out of the pit. I have um, a transcript of, the father's statements during the funeral that I'd like to read. Um, I think it goes along great with what you just said, Sue. He starts off and he says, thank you for your kind words and actions during this time. They have sustained us. They're giving us the strength and the courage to keep going. Every time someone reaches out to us in some way, we get to trade a little of our grief for a little love, one small step at a time. I cannot begin to express the depth of the grief we have been experiencing. Then he goes on and he says, We have come to the conclusion about suffering and grief. There have been many times over the last 10 days when the grief and suffering have become almost unbearable. We ask ourselves, why are the grief and suffering so intense? The answer to this question is that love requires grief and suffering. The more love we have between you and the person, the more suffering gets created when a person is hurting and especially when they die. We choose to love despite the suffering that can come with it because love is always greater than suffering. I love that last part, Sue. Love is always greater than suffering. Yeah, that is really good. Think about that for a minute. 
Yes, there's weeping and mourning. It's part of the loving others. Love is always greater than suffering. You know, to think about love is always greater than suffering. You can let suffering take over, but if you truly believe that love is greater than suffering, you have to pull out of that and let that love grow through the suffering. Right. And so the father making the comment that he's thanking everybody for all the love that was being given to him during the suffering time. Just helps get through that suffering to know that people love and care for you. Yes. Being able to look at the positive things in our life, which is what we discussed in previous episodes. Yep. First Corinthians thirteen seven says, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and love endures through every circumstance. Yep. That's usually read at weddings, you know, and because it's such a joyful occasion, people are always happy during weddings. I also believe to think about this during suffering times is important too. After you get married, things aren't always happy. So you have to remember these things during that joyous time of being married that, you know, never give up. Love never loses faith, always is hopeful. Because life isn't always peaches and cream and happiness. And so you have to remember these verses. For me, it's very helpful to pull through those hard times. Right. Yeah, with Abundant Living, by the way, our our recording is with the windows open. Felt kind of restricted on such a beautiful day. Yes, it's so beautiful outside. So if there's some weird background noises, which kind of bugs me. (laughs) Like little cars, but the best noises are like the birds you might have heard chirping. Right, and and the uh, children in the background. Yes. As you all know, Freedom From Within is a prison ministry that works inside prison. Mm -hmm. From time to time, we receive letters from parolees. So when we hear from um, those that have been released from prison, so it's kind of frustrating to hear uh, some of the struggles that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they really have to go through them, especially as an inside ministry, because I really our objective of freedom from within is about preparing for freedom while they're inside, not waiting till freedom arrives on the outside. Let me explain what I mean. Our program tends to take about three years. Not everybody's able to take it or for various reasons, or maybe they waited to the last minute. But also there's a culture that says, I have five more years left or I have 10 more years left. Why should I take these classes, whether it be our class or another class to better myself? Or so there's a lot of things that people know, but there's no application. There's no taking steps, preparing the way. Mm Mm-hmm such as building a network of people on the outside that you can trust that can uh, help you, you know, through your journey. And that's usually what happens is, is that people get released and they rely on one or two people um, in the free world. Mm-hmm. And those one or two people may not be able to meet all the needs or for various reasons aren't as reliable as they once thought. Ephesians 2 I think a pretty profound message, and I'm, I'm going to use the message translation. 
uh, to kind of bring the point across here. It says Ephesians 2, uh, verse 2 through 5, out of the message version. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immersed in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. Amen. You know, that takes discipline to seek Christ, first of all, and um, willingness to want to change. Exactly. Our ability to be self-disciplined is the key to abundant living. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, very important. Now, everybody listening has been told one time or another growing up or now, um, you know, you need to be more disciplined. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, you know, get these things done, you know, more in a timely fashion. Right. We're told to do this, but do we know how to do this? And so self-discipline I think is an assumed skill, but nobody ever teaches you how to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. If we go to the dictionary, here's a definition of self-discipline. It says the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right, despite temptations to abandon it. And the last one is the ability to make yourself do things that should be done. That's the definition of Mm self-discipline. The ability to make yourself do things that should be done. So you have to be able to control yourself, control your thoughts, control your feelings, control your emotions. And I know for me, when I'm told, you know, to control my emotions, sometimes it's hard, you know, because... Women tend to say, but I can't help it. My hormones are going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But if we know that we can, that we have to try and do that, even if our hormones are crazy, because men have hormones too, we all do, and we can't let those things control us. Self-discipline is an assumed skill, Mm -hmm. but it's really an ability. It's an ability that we have to work on. We have to decide why we'd want to do that in the first place. What's important to us. So back to our foundations. What is our truth? What are the things that are working for us and working against us, our principles and our values? Do we really believe our values? As we build our foundation, inner strength, individual dignity, knowing that we have a negative bias and that um, we need to believe the best first, and be critical second, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. That leads to abundant living. Because why would you want to be disciplined on anything if you didn't believe wholeheartedly in the cause, in the reason that you're doing what you're doing, to push through the hard times? Mm-hmm. You know, I do want to um, clarify one thing, if I can, right now. Uh, I was saying that, you know, you have to just take control of your thoughts and feelings and Some people may have gotten upset if I said your hormones, because there are some times where people do have mental illnesses and need to go to a doctor and their hormones are off or something. So if you're feeling you can't control yourself, 
you may want to consider going to a doctor and seeing if, you know, there's any imbalances in your system. You know, now, instead of going to drugs and alcohol and saying, I'm no good, because that's not true. That's the negative thinking, and we can't go that direction either. That's, a, that's great, Sue, and thank you for bringing that up. So self-discipline, what does that consist of? Well, one of, it, one of the uh, attributes of self-discipline is taking responsibility. Until we actually decide who's going to be responsible, so if you're in prison, for example, and you know that when you get released, you have maybe a, a friend that's going to be waiting for you, Who's going to be taking responsibility? Are you going to be taking responsibility or is your friend responsible for you? Mm-hmm. And if your friend gets distracted or the relationship deteriorates or, you know, all sorts of things, job loss, whose fault is it? You know, taking responsibility is very important. It made me think of this one woman that we uh, met a couple months ago. And she was giving her testimony of how she got out of prison and she was supposed to meet a friend at the bus station and the friend never showed up, never showed up. And so she's like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, she had to step up and take responsibility of her life and she's doing great now, you know, so she didn't let that friend that didn't show up stop her. That's, that's a great example. Um, in our class, we talk about an event that happened in the 1900s, and it was a um, contest run by the London Times, which at that time was like the largest paper in the world. And it said, write an essay on what is wrong with the world. And the winning essay that uh, was submitted came on a postcard, and it said, I am, sincerely, G.K. Chesterson. So what is wrong with the world? I am. And that was the winning um, essay. So often we think about all these different things that we can blame it on. Mm -hmm. And certainly there's plenty of problems in the world, but what are we doing? What are the things that are in within our control? Are we maximizing what's in our control Mm -hmm. or are we just filled with concerns and not seeing how we can play a part in right. that in that situation. And we do have to take control of our own lives. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, Cliff, you know, your father took his life and both of our dads were alcoholics and we did not want to go down that path, you know. So we took control of our lives. We didn't let our past from our fathers, you know, run our lives. We changed and decided that's not how we wanted to raise our kids. Yeah. So those of you that are listening who want to take us out for a beer or whatever, uh, <laughs> we'll be take more a than happy Coke. to, ha- yeah, we'll be more than happy on the Diet Coke. <laughs> Freedom from within is all about principles. And the definition of a principle is something that uh, exists, whether you like it or not, it's either working for you or working against you. And to achieve abundant living is about being proactive in our life. Now, if proactiveness is a principle, then what's the opposite of being proactive? Reactive. And so what's an example of reactive? When something happens and you just blow up, you just aren't ready for it, so you just don't know how to 
react and it's not a pretty sight. Or maybe it takes you, takes you by surprise. Yeah. Off guard. Right. For example, uh, we've have new students in our program that have been in prison, you know, several times. Mm -hmm. They know the routine Mm -hmm. and they almost kind of go with the flow. It's just being part of reactive, you know, process. Nothing's changing along the way. Or if there are changes, they're not pushing through to uh, stay on course. And we know the pattern. Let's go back to the definition of a principle. Using proactive and reactive. Being proactive is working for you. Reactive is working against you. Stephen Covey wrote a well-known book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It identifies the first habit as being proactive. And in there, he has an excerpt of what that means. I'd like to read that to you. Instead of reacting to or worrying about conditions over which they have little or no control, proactive people focus their time and energy on things they can control. The problems, challenges, and opportunities we face fall into two areas. Concerns and influences. Proactive people focus their efforts on influences. They work on the things that they can do something about. Health, children, problems at work. Reactive people focus only on concerns. As we come to a close, I'd like to give everybody a little bit of homework. Okay. Well, before you get give them their homework, make sure you guys have a pen and paper or pencil and paper. Something to write with. Now, if you're driving, though, you're just going to have to listen to this later and write this part down later. Okay. See, I thought this would be the part where I could go, do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, yeah, if they want to pull do, over, do, 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 <laughs> get a pen do, then. Do. Okay. okay. All right. So got some homework for you. You have a pen and paper. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to draw four circles, each of the circles different sizes. So you have small circles and big circles, but I need four circles. Okay, next. I'd like you to label each circle with one of these words that I'm about to give you. If you decide to change, you can, you know, you can go ahead and change it halfway, but there can only be one label per circle. So you have four circles, different sizes, and I'm going to give you the labels. Here's the first one. Ready? This one represents the amount of worry or concern you have in your life. Find the circle that represents the amount of worry or concern you have in your life and write the word concerns right next to the circle. Okay, for the next one, the amount of influence you have in your life. Based off of you know what's going on, what's important to you, what circle represents the amount of influence you have in your life? life and write the word influence next to that circle. Now you should have two circles left. Once again, you're welcome to change the labels if you decide to do that, Uh, but only one label per circle. Next one is the amount of control you have in your life. Do you feel control? If you do, you're going to have a big circle. If you don't feel like there's a lot of control, you're you're going to assign it to a smaller circle. I'd like you to write the word control next to that circle. And lastly, find the circle. You should have one circle left. And this one represents your commitment to the things that you're concerned about. Which circle best represents the amount of commitment 
you have to the things that you're concerned about. And I'd like you to write the word commitment next to that circle. This is your homework because I want you to be pondering this. I want you to be thinking through this until next episode. But I want you to be thinking about the size of the circle represents these labels. Concerns, influence, control, and commitment. And then we'll break that down next episode in more details. Yep, that's good. Probably stick that on your refrigerator or something so you don't forget about it. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. That dog in the background is... is that's, excited about the homework. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so that's good. All right. So anyways, as I said, we'll spend the next episode talking through those circles. Yes. As we kind of navigate through abundant living and what that means. Mm-hmm. All right. So to go over what we talked about today, abundant living, it requires self-discipline, right? And so self-discipline is something we've got to work on. We have to take responsibility, take responsibility for our actions, our thoughts, and be proactive, proactive versus reactive. Remember those two. We want to be ready and be proactive instead of reactive. So join us on the next episode when we discuss simple steps to building self-discipline in your life, resulting in more freedom and abundant living. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at freedomfromwithin.org. That's info at freedomfromwithin.org. Or you can leave us a message on anchor.fm while you listen to the podcast or even on our website, freedomfromwithin.org. There's a message button. Simply click the message button on the podcast and it will allow you to record a message just like the one you heard in the beginning. And we can hear it and play it back on future shows. All right, so we hope to hear from you soon. So join us next episode uh, when we'll be continuing our discussion on abundant living. Until next show, I pray you live Live it to to give give it it. and share your success with others. Take care, everybody. Bye Bye now.